open up your Bible to Hebrews chapter 7, verses 18 to 28. One time and several years ago, when one of our kids was a toddler, they somehow locked themselves into our bedroom. And they were locked on the inside, and we as parents were locked on the outside. And they were too small to unlock the door to let us in. So what do you do when you can't reach your little one and they're all alone and they need you? Well, as we quickly tried and ran out of different options, I could think of only one remaining solution. I went and I got a hammer and I destroyed the doorknob, enabling us to open the door and reach our precious little one that we love. And you can just imagine as Anne and I can't figure out how to get in and time is ticking and they're in there, they're all alone, how our level of desperation was growing to get in. Well, that's the sort of desperation that it's natural for us to feel to get into God's presence. Now, the truth is we don't often feel this way. It's part of our fallen condition, our sin-stained condition, that as humanity, sorry, humanity, we've lost the corporate memory of what it was like to be in God's presence and what we have forfeited by being kicked out. The truth is that we, we all have that desire to get back into God's presence, but we're often not aware of it. We don't know that that's what we're desiring. We know we're hungry for something that the things of this world can never quite satisfy. We're hungry to belong to someone, hungry to love and to be loved. We're hungry for our life to matter, hungry to have a purpose and to make a contribution. We're hungry to feel secure and safe for our life and our way of life not to be threatened. We're hungry for so many things we desire, for comfort, for appetites, for entertainment. But even when all of these desires are satisfied, we're still somehow not satisfied. As the theologians have put it, we still have a God-shaped hole that remains unfilled. As the popular song in the 80s put it, we still haven't found what we're looking for. We long to be in God's presence, to draw near to God, for it's only that that can satisfy us at our very deepest levels. Yet very often, we're not even aware of this. We're too busy distracting ourselves or being distracted by life. To notice, to remember, to hear that still small voice in our heart that is longing for more. We've seen before on past Sundays how fundamental God's presence is to the biblical story, how Genesis 1 to 3 tells us that humanity began our existence in God's presence, in a royal garden, in a place called Eden, where God was present and walked and talked with us. And we tended the garden and we enjoyed the garden for God and with God. And because God was present, in this garden, it was a place of flourishing, of security, of satisfaction, of delight, a place free from evil, free from disorder, free from chaos, because God was there. And God is the one who pushes back the, the chaos and the disorder and the darkness. 
That's what God's presence is and what it offers, a free, satisfying relationship with God and everything else we long for besides, at least the good things we long for. And so the message of the Bible is, remember, God's presence is the whole point. It's what you really want deep down inside. It's what you need most. You should be desperate to get back there like Ann and I were desperate to get through that locked door and back to the child that we loved. And so when God chose the people of Israel as his own and formed a committed covenant relationship with them, part of the deal was, in fact, central to the covenant was a means for God's presence to be restored to his people. It was called the tabernacle. That was the means, a portable royal tent, a luxurious, opulent palace, Bedouin style, a place where God would be present among God's people again, as God had been originally in the Garden of Eden. And from this place, if God's people cooperated, God would maintain order and push back chaos to create a good flourishing space and land that God's people could enjoy and live in. And that, all of that, is the backdrop which lies behind today's passage as it was last Sunday's passage as well when we looked at the early part of um, chapter 7. Because today's passage continues the book of Hebrews' discussion about priests. And priests are the ones who minister who work in God's presence, and they're the gatekeepers to it. They mediate our access to God's presence. You see, it it was and it is not easy to get near to God's presence. There are barriers. There are obstacles. And priests help us navigate and negotiate these obstacles. To repeat an example from last week, a priest is like the personal assistant to a CEO. Or maybe like an agent to a famous person. Priests are the ones who can open doors and negotiate access to God. The main obstacle to God's presence, of course, is our unworthiness to enter. And above all, it's our rebellion and our offenses and our sins against God. That is what got us kicked out of God's presence in the first place, all the way back in the Garden of Eden, and it continues to bar our access. But thank God there are priests. Back in the Old Testament times for the Israelites, priests would offer sacrifices to atone for, to cleanse the offenses of the people, their sins, so that God's people could approach God. The priests would offer the gifts of the people, the thanksgiving uh, gifts and uh, expressions of the people, uh, the offerings of the people, their worship to God, because the priests knew how to do this in a way that God would accept, and they were the ones God had authorized to do all of this. So priests in themselves were a gift from God, because God was saying to his people, yes, I want you to approach me, I want you to draw near to my presence, but yes, your sins have created obstacles. And yes, I am great. I am important. I am to be honored and reverenced. And so you can't just waltz in casually to my presence. 
So I'm giving you priests to help, to aid, to mediate your relationship to me. But in the Old Testament, the priests, the priesthood had its limitations. And our passage this morning points out some of these. One weakness of the priesthood was that the priests kept dying off. They were fallible. They were limited human beings, as we all are. And so they died after a while. Last Sunday, I gave the example of our family friends when I was a kid who owned a hotel at the Jersey Shore and how every summer we got to enjoy the shore for free, thanks to them. But they don't live there anymore. Now, if I go there, I'm just a stranger. I have to pay my way like every other beachgoer. Like those family friends, Old Testament priests were temporary. They, they didn't last forever. Sure, if one priest died, another from their tribe inherited the job. So there was some continuity, except that some of them were corrupt. And they oppressed the people. And they didn't do their job. And some of them God punished and let God's temple be destroyed. And then the priesthood didn't function at all. God's presence was no longer with his people. And so the priesthood overall was pretty weak, pretty ineffective, pretty undependable. Verse 27 of our passage points out that even the high priest, the big honcho priest who was in charge of it all, had to offer sacrifices for his own sins before he offered them for anyone else because he wasn't dependable. He was a very weak, flawed human being. He was only worthy to do his job because God accepted his sacrifices and because God cleansed his faults in God's grace. And so we see verse 18 says, the former regulations, the, the ones God gave Moses to regulate the Old Testament priesthood, the former regulations are set aside because they were weak and useless for the law made nothing perfect. And the author of Hebrews is reminding us of all of this as a backdrop to now share good news with us. Great news. God has now, in God's great generosity, given us a better priest, a perfect high priest. Verse 21, where Hebrews quotes from Psalm 110, God says, referring to Jesus, the Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. Jesus, you are a priest forever. And the author of Hebrews says, wow, this is a much better arrangement. Jesus is a much better priest. For one thing, God swore and will not change his mind that Jesus is a priest forever. No more changing priesthood. No more dying priests. No more uncertainty of whether the next priest will be good or will be corrupt or will ruin the whole arrangement and cause God's presence to be taken away from us. If you think back over the, the history of the priests before Jesus came, it's kind of like if we go back in history and we think about the list of U.S. presidents. Some were good, others not so much. And none of them lasted long. Each was replaced. And you were never sure if the next would be better or worse than the one before. But Hebrews says, not anymore when it comes to the priesthood. When it comes to access to God's presence, we've got one high priest, Jesus, 
He's a good priest, a better priest, a perfect priest, and God has sworn on oath that he will be priest forever. Do you know what that means? It means that we have access to the thing we long for and need most. We have access to God's presence. Verse 22, Jesus is a guarantee or a guarantor of a better covenant. In other words, there's a new deal, a new arrangement between God and God's people. And Jesus, as high priest, forever, permanently, is the one who guarantees this new arrangement. This new situation is not going to change. And what's the new situation? Verse 25, Jesus always lives to intercede for those who come to him. He's always there, on the job. No longer at an earthly tabernacle, but rather, as verse 26 puts it, he's been exalted above the heavens. He stands in God's very heavenly presence to intercede for us. A gatekeeper willing to make the arrangements for us to come into God's presence. And unlike the other flawed, weak, fallible priests, verse 26 says, Jesus truly meets our need. He is holy blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens. Jesus has no need to offer sacrifices for his own sins. Jesus has no fears, no limitations about entering into God's very presence himself because God loves Jesus completely and Jesus has done nothing ever to displease God. Jesus is as in with God as anyone could ever be in with God. Verse 27, unlike the other high priests, he does not need to offer sacrifices day by day, first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. He sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered himself. Jesus offered a perfect sacrifice to atone for, to cleanse our offenses. Once for all, he offered himself. So everything that would keep us from God, everything that would stand in the way as a barrier of us coming into God's presence has been dealt with by Jesus. And so we are always welcome to come. Jesus is always successful in getting us an audience with God. Jesus has been doing this for 2,000 years now, and his record is perfect. Everyone who has come to Jesus and said, Jesus, be my priest too. Let your sacrifice be offered for my life. Let the benefits of that sacrifice be made available to me too. Intercede for me. I trust you to be the one to bring me into God's presence. Everyone who has trusted Jesus in that way has succeeded in getting into God's presence. And let me assure you, Jesus has been the priest to all kinds of people, good people and bad people. Some who did terrible things that they later regretted and were ashamed of. Some who felt completely unworthy. Some you and I would not be happy to learn that Jesus let them into God's presence. Some very terrible, unsavory characters. Jesus got in. They all got in. Because it wasn't about how good they were. 
getting in isn't about how good you are. It's about how good your priest is. And Jesus is good. He's the perfect priest. He gets everyone in. Everyone who repents of the wrong things they've done, puts their trust in him as the one who can make things right between them and God. Verse 25, therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him. And that's why in our church, we don't jump, uh, try to jump through a whole bunch of hoops in order to get close to God. We don't offer sacrifices, obviously not animal sacrifices, but also we don't believe you have to give so much money or become a member or attend church a certain number of times every month or go on some sort of mission or pilgrimage or dress a certain way or pray a certain amount each day or whatever before you can get into God's presence. None of those things apply. Now, there are other very good reasons to do many of those things, but getting into God's presence is not one of them. And we don't believe that praying to certain saints or visiting certain gurus is helpful to get you into God's presence because you already have Jesus, the perfect priest, who is always there to intercede for you. What more could you need? To trust in anything else beside Jesus Christ is to trust less in Christ and to say Jesus isn't enough. When it comes to getting into God's presence, what you need isn't more religion, more rituals, more sacrifices. What you need is Jesus alone. He can get you in. Not because of what you are or what you have or haven't done but because of who he is and because of what he's done. Back in my 20s, I was a missionary, and I remember one time where I was really angsting about feeling like I wasn't a good enough missionary, that I wasn't giving God all that God deserved and, and God desired, and, and it was keeping me from God. I was really concerned, probably looking back a little bit narcissistically concerned about myself and my worth and my goodness before God and and that I couldn't be better and I was struggling to be better. And, and one time as I was wrestling with this, I remember it clear as day, I was walking home to my apartment on a on a uh, misty evening. And I had one of these realizations that I didn't hear an audible voice, but it was like the heavens parted and a word just entered right into my heart. And it was this. You are so concerned about being good enough and doing enough to have a good relationship with me, to be able to come into my presence. But what you need to realize is my son Jesus is so much better and has done so much better, and he's done it for you. And the biggest tragedy of your life will not be that you're not good enough, you don't do enough good things for me. The biggest tragedy of your life will be. If you turn down and overlook the amazing, perfect goodness that Jesus is offering in your place. It's God's grace in giving us a perfect high priest who has a perfect record, 
of getting us into God's presence. Remember the goal, the thing we all long for, whether we know it or not, is we long to be in God's presence and to draw close to God. Do you remember in Star Wars, The Empire Strikes Back, the, the good guys, the heroes, Han and Leia and Chewie, they're on the run from the evil empire and they need somewhere to hide, somewhere safe. And Han Solo takes them to a highly fortified cloud city run by an old acquaintance of his named Lando Calrissian. And it's only as they're flying in and they get close to the city that the rest of the crew realizes that Han left Lando on bad terms. And he's not really sure if Lando is gonna welcome him back into his presence. In fact, when they land and the guards escort them into Lando's presence, the first thing Lando does is lay into Han, rehearsing all the ways Han has wronged him. And Han's friends go, gulp, this may not turn out well for any of us. Well, that's our position before God when we seek to get back into his presence. We've done so many things to strain the relationship. Maybe we're not even aware of them all until we read God's word and, and God makes them plain through his word. Add to that that God is a very important, exalted being, the most mighty being in the universe. Who are we to enter God's presence? Do you remember the story of Esther? She was the wife of the Persian emperor, but even she could not enter her husband's presence without being summoned. Now that was clearly overkill, but it serves as a reminder that very important, powerful people have access to their presence carefully guarded. You don't get in without a very good reason. And it's all the more so with God, the most exalted heavenly being. But yet, know it or not, we desperately long for God's presence. We were made for it. We desire it. It's the only place we can find real solutions to the darkness and the chaos and the disorder that plagues our lives. It's the ultimate place where we can find life and, and flourishing. So what hope do we have? How are we going to get back in? We have Jesus. And the amazing news about Jesus is that God longs to have us come back in. And so God said on oath, in fact, and God will never take this back. Jesus, you are my priest forever. Please intercede for people. Please help them come into my presence. Please show them how. Please invite them in. So as we wrap up, do you want to come into God's presence? What's holding you back? Is there something you feel ashamed of? Something you feel bad about? Something you've done wrong? Something you're hesitant to talk to God about? Look at Jesus. He says, do you trust me? I can get you in. I can get anyone in if they trust me. Because it's not about how worthy you are or how good you are. 
It's about how good I am at being a priest. And I am the very best. I can get anyone in. And that's how God wants it. That's why he promised on oath that I'd be priest forever. So come on, let's go in. I'll be at your side the whole time to support you, to be your intercessor. This is going to turn out well.